Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Mark. The Gospel record of Mark and chapter number 4. The Gospel record of Mark and chapter number 4. I personally have always enjoyed the gospel record of Mark. To me, it is one of the most simplistic gospel records, not betraying any of the others. My favorite is the gospel record of Luke because of its detail, but because of the simplicity of it, because of its action, it's easy to follow through. It's easy to see one thing to another to another. I really enjoy the gospel record of Mark, and I hope that you are too, that as we go through the gospel record of Mark and just see the things things that are being taught and the things that are going on, that we could watch as Jesus works and we could learn more about this man of action, Jesus Christ, the perfect servant. And so if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the gospel record of Mark, the gospel record of Mark in chapter number four, the gospel record of Mark in chapter number four. Look with me if you don't mind, starting at verse one. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parable, and said unto them by his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass that as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground, where it had not much, (laughs) where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew, and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And the other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit, and sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were about him, with the twelve asked him, the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth 
the word. And these are they by the wayside, and the word is sown. But when they had heard, have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they had heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, but so, and so endure but for a time, Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold and some sixty and some a hundred. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number four? The gospel record of Mark in chapter four, and notice with me in verse number three. We see in verse number three, there went out a sower to sow. There went out a sower to sow. And with this, we see what is commonly called the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. If you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And again, we thank you for your word, which liveth and abideth forever. We're thankful that we could trust it. We could depend upon it. We're thankful that your word can do a great work. I'm just asking that you would help us to have good soil tonight, that we could receive it, and that you could turn around and let it spring forth and let it do something. We're trusting your Holy Spirit to do its job tonight that you would give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech, a clear understanding that I could be able to communicate this properly to these good folks and that you would do a wonderful work in our midst. Thank you, Lord, for being a wonderful God. Again, fill me with your spirit. Lead me the way that I ought to go. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have here the parable of the sowers. In fact, this whole passage here, this whole chapter, Jesus is going to be teaching many parables. But we come to this first parable that Jesus begins to teach, this parable of the sower. So Jesus is gathered about, and there's a lot of people that are listening to him. And so once again, he gets up on the ship. They push him a little ways, so that way he can address the crowd without everyone trying to touch and everyone to push. He's trying to let everyone hear. And he starts off with this first parable. He begins to speak to them, and basically, Basically what he's saying is that there's a a sower that goes out and his job is to sow the seed. He's supposed to plant the seed, make sure the seed goes out. And so if you could imagine a person carrying a basket and in the basket is a bunch of seeds. And as they go on, they're taking some seeds and just tossing it out and uh, letting the seeds fall where they may. And as it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. That carries the idea of like a sidewalk or a, or, um, a road, something in those days, of course, they didn't have the pavement, but they did have places where everyone walked and trampled on and it made that ground hard. So again, it's our equivalent of a sidewalk or a road. Um, you're not going to see a big oak tree growing in a road. So you can imagine the seeds as you throw it up on the pavement, it scatters about the pavement and it doesn't hit any grass or green or anything. 
In verse number 5, as it goes on, And some that set seed fell on the stony ground, and it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up and had no depth of life. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, because it had no root and it withered away. And then you can imagine the sower, he's sowing, and some hit the cracks of the sidewalk. Then he sows, and some hits around the thorns of the thistles. And then there's some that hits some good ground. And so he tells this parable here, and he... and. Uh, he says that some of it's going to hit some good ground and then it's going to grow. And he just ends it there. He stops. He doesn't give any explanation to the crowd. Doesn't explain anything. He just tells that story of the sowers and just paints his picture of, hey, let's just toss it about and some of it lands here, some of it lands here, some of it lands here, some of it lands here. That's a good sermon. We're good. Go home. Well, the disciples wanted to know more. And so pick it up with me in verse number 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him of the parable. So they come up and say, Jesus, you told us an interesting story a bit ago, but you didn't explain it. What's going on? Can you tell us more about the story? And so with this, Jesus takes time to explain the parable of the sowers. But before he gets to the parable, we come to the very first thing that we see in this passage. The purpose of parables. The purpose of parables. Why does Jesus speak in parables? That's a great question. Why does Jesus speak in parables? Well, we understand that the Bible is a spiritual book. It's not like reading the newspaper or reading a magazine article. There is something different because the author is God and it is infused, it is embreathed, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is a living book. It is a spiritual book. And so for us to understand a spiritual book, it requires people to have spiritual discernment. And those people will get, be given understanding. Those that do not have spiritual discernment will not understand the passage. Notice again as Jesus begins to explain to them. Verse 11. And he said unto them, unto you it is given. So remember, who's talking to him now? It's not the crowds, it's the disciples. Those that are learning, they are coming up to him. And he says, unto you. This is one of those passages where it's going to be important to pay attention to the pronouns. What is a pronoun? It is something that replaces a noun. So notice the pronouns here. This is going to be key of interpreting. It says, unto you, so he's addressing those disciples that are with him. Unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without. So those that are not one of us. Those that are not wanting to be disciples or followers of Christ. He says, those that are without... All these things are done in parables. So why is Jesus doing it, speaking in parables? It is not for, uh, or it's not, he doesn't speak in parables because of the disciples. He speaks in parables because of those who are not disciples. Why? What does that mean? What does that have to do? Verse 12. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may Hear and not understand. So here he says, the reason why I'm speaking in parables is because they're going to hear, but they're not going to understand. They're going to see, but they're not going to under, uh, perceive it. They're not going to get it. They're, they're going to look at it and they're not understanding what they're seeing. And he's saying, the reason why I'm speaking in parables 
is because I want people to want to know the Bible. You see, this is all about the idea of motives. When you look in the Bible, are you looking from your own preconceptions or are you looking to try to find out God's meaning? What does God want me to get out of this? Some people could take a lazy approach, a lazy attitude to the Bible. All right, my eyes touched every word in the page. I read it. And so everyone can get that. All right, so here's a story. Here's a guy who put out seed. He threw seed here, threw seed here, seed through seed here. That's what Jesus taught. Well, I got a lot of out of the message today. Got my usual. All right, let's go home. Let's see what mom has in the crock pot. And by the way, there's some people who do that. They could come to a church service. They could be listening like this. They could hear information, but it doesn't process. And why? They don't want it to process. All right, I listened. I'm good. Let's go home. And they get out of the service what they want to get out of the service. Does that make sense? People do that with the Bible. People said, all right, I'm supposed to read the Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah. I read the Bible. I'm good. Let's go. Let me get done to the next task. But that's not how God wants us to approach the Bible. He wants us to put a little bit of work into it. He wants us to put a little bit of seeking to it. So what God has done with parables and also the Bible is that he's made it so the truth is not necessarily hidden It's available, you just have to look. You just have to look. You have to say, I want to get something out of it. I want to learn something out of it. You could certainly read the Bible, and there's plenty of people who have, who could go through the Bible and not want to get something from it. They can know facts, they can know figures, they can know names, they can know history, but they don't get anything from God. God doesn't speak to them because they don't want it. And so Jesus is taking time to explain to them that the idea that what I'm speaking in parables is for the idea that if they don't want to get something out of it, I'm not wasting time. If they don't want to get anything out of it, that's going to be less that they're held responsible for. May I remind you that everything that you know, you're responsible for obeying. And so if there's someone who's already determined they're not going to obey, then God has protected them by not letting them understand. I know it's kind of weird, but Jesus said, I'm speaking of parables because of them. Because there's people who do not want to obey the Bible. But for those who want to obey, for those who want to go forward, God says, these parables you'll open up and you'll see that there's something more to it. Not something magical or mystical, but something very spiritual that the Holy Spirit, who is God, illuminates our heart and gives us understanding. And we go, I understand what God is getting across here. Now, your best teacher is going to be the Holy Spirit. You don't need a guru to understand the Bible. You just need the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal truth. It is your job to be ready to receive the truth. And so we start off with this idea that Jesus takes time and he says, let me tell you about parables. Notice in verse 13. And he said to them, so notice the person that he's addressing, then he's addressing the disciples and those learners, And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How will 
how then will you know all parables? Jesus spoke in parables a lot, and a lot of them require some discernment. So he says, let me take you to the kindergarten level. If you're not able to study the kindergarten level parable, how are you going to understand the other things I'm going to get across to you? Now again, it requires dependence on the Holy Spirit and understanding. So Jesus says, let me explain to you so that way you could clearly understand. He says, here I'm going to tell you what everything is. Notice as he starts off by explaining what it is that we see, first of all, the seed and Satan. So he starts off by talking about the, uh, why does he speak in parables? The second thing is Satan and the seed. Satan and the seed. Notice in verse 14, he defines his terms. The sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. Now, the seed is the word of God. There are many illustrations given in the Bible where God calls the seed the word. The Bible talks about that in the book of Psalms, chapter uh, 126, verses 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless uh, come again rejoicing, bringing their, in their sheaves. Isn't that wonderful? And this isn't the only place. He does that in Isaiah. He does that in the book of Peter. Several different times throughout the word of God, he uses this idea that the seed is the word. So here you got in your mind, you have someone who's casting out the seed. What are they doing? They're throwing out the word of God. Does that mean that they're taking Bibles and say, you know what? Let's throw out Bibles and see what happens. No, they're telling people the word of God. They're throwing out verses. They're explaining to people what the Bible says. So they're throwing out the seed. Notice as it goes on. And these are they by the wayside. Once again, notice the pronouns there. Remember what he was speaking about before. Those people who did not want to know the parables. Those that said, I just want to understand the Bible, or I don't want to understand the Bible. I just read what it says. Let's go home. Let's find something to eat. Oh, I did my daily reading of the Bible. Jesus says, these people. So we're not talking about those who want to follow God. We're talking about those who have no interest in searching for God. They're doing their duty. They're checking off the checklist. They're reading the Bible. I, my eyes are touching every word in the page. Notice this. These are they by the wayside. Meaning, remember what I explained before. This wayside is like the pavement. It's like the road. It's speaking about their hearts. These parables are their hearts. So do you know that someone can have their heart so unprepared, it's like throwing seed into the street. So if you can imagine, you've taken a bunch of watermelon seeds. All right, so you get through eating a nice watermelon, juicy, uh, all the uh, water is dripping down your face. You've just been digging in, and you've been taking all the watermelon seeds. And when you're done, you're going to put all the seeds in the road where you live at. So imagine, you walk outside of your house, you throw the seeds out in the road, and you say, I'm going to go check on a couple days, and I'm going to see if we're going to have watermelons in the middle of the road. Does it work that way? Well, why not? Because the road is not where you grow seeds at. So what we have here is people whose hearts have no desire to obey God's word. Have no desire to listen to God's word. And so when the word of God is given to them, 
they just look at you and say, what'd you say? Many of us have witnessed to atheists or people who have no desire to obey God. And you just throw in your seed and it just bounces off. It just skitters on the road. Nothing happens. In fact, notice what else happens. These are they by the wayside when the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in the hearts. So if you've ever taken some time, let's say you take some bird seed and you throw it up on your sidewalk. You know what's going to happen? Eventually some birds are going to take the seed. And so he's trying to use a visual illustration. And he says, let me tell you who that dirty bird is. That's what my pastor used to call Satan. That dirty bird. He says, the seed bounces off. It doesn't hit any good soil. It just skitters about. And then the birds come. Take that seed. Just in case. Just in case it finds a crack. Just in case it finds a a pothole. Just in case. Satan comes and takes that seed. So it can't even start to grow. And again, this is the heart of those who have no desire to listen to God's word, to obey God's word, to do anything with God. It just bounces off their hearts and it does no good. You could throw as much seed as you want. You could take a dump truck. You could go to Menards and take a big uh, 50 pound bag of bird seed and you could dump it on the road all you want. And you're not going to get anything to grow. No birds are going to come from that seed. No plants are going to come from that seed either. It's just going to be there. All that you want, it's not going to grow there. But just in case, the dirty bird comes and takes all the rest of the seed. So nothing could grow. So here's the first idea here. Satan and the seed. Second of all, we come to the different grounds of the heart. So we start off with those who don't want to listen at all. These next ones are different because they are those that listen. They are those that accept the seed. It could get in somehow and begins to grow. But we see that there are different stages or different preparations of the heart. Notice as we come to the next ground, which is the stony ground. Notice with me in verse 16. And these are they likewise which have sown on stony ground that who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So here, once again, we're not talking about people who are not saved. These are someone who received it with gladness. And so praise the Lord, the seed took root. But here it's talking about stony ground. Back then you can imagine like a cobblestone sidewalk or one of our sidewalks. Doesn't grass grow in the cracks of the sidewalks? They don't, and it seems like you can never get rid of it. But yeah, grass can find a way to grow within the cracks of the sidewalk. So if you could imagine here, here is um, some seed that makes it into some cracks in the stony ground. And when they heard the word, immediately they received it with gladness, verse 17, and have no root in themselves, so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecuted arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So let's imagine that there's a beautiful flower, an orchid, a lily, and the seed makes it into the sidewalk. Because it doesn't have the ability to grow roots down, it's going to grow up quickly. But because it has no root, there's not going to be any stability. It's not going to be able to weather any type of 
uh, storm, any type of hardship. Here it says the sun comes out. It gets hard and it wilts and dies. Why does it wilt and die? Because it doesn't have root. Again, we're not talking about just plants here. If you say, well, we know that you're not supposed to plant seeds into the middle of the sidewalk. Let's go home. Jesus is trying to get across something more than this. Some people have a stony heart. Their hearts aren't prepared. But they hear something in the word of God. Maybe they hear the gospel. And they go, woohoo, that's great. That's amazing. Jesus died for me. I'm glad to receive that. But because their heart is not prepared to obey. And this is the idea of what the soils and the preparation. They're not prepared to obey God. Imagine someone, they get come to know Jesus as their Savior. They walk an aisle. Someone leads them to the Lord. They take the Bible and show them from the Bible. Yes, I get saved. This is great. And it's great that they start growing quickly. Yes, I want to know more. I want to show up to church. This is great. Until some hard thing hits them. Maybe one of their family members says, you're going to that church? I don't think you should go to that church. Maybe someone says something wrong. People do that from time to time. Maybe they misunderstood what someone said. And what happens is, forget that. If that's how they're going to be, I'm not going to go to church. Forget that. And what happens is that they wither and they die. They grew very, very quick. But they had no root. Again, the seed is representing the word of God. All of us need to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. How do you get rooted and grounded in the word of God? By discipleship, developing the habit of obedience to Christ. Remember, all of these hearts are all determined on our if we're going to obey or not. If you say, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm not going to obey, that's stony ground. That's ground where sure the seed could hit and there should be good things that come out, but it's not going to go very far and it's going to wither and die because it's not rooted and grounded. It's not prepared to obey the Lord. So we come to the stony ground. Next to this, we come to the soil with the thorns. Notice with me in verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, as hear the word. So here's another one. If you could imagine that there's a bed of weeds, and you throw some beautiful flowering plant seeds into the uh, soil with the weeds, that plant can grow up. But as the weeds start to grow around it, that's why you weed a garden. Why do you weed a garden? So that way it doesn't take the nutrients. It doesn't choke out the plant that you're trying to grow. You have to get rid of the weeds. Well, in this soil, it's imagining that you plant something. But you don't weed the garden. Eventually, it's going to choke out the plant that you're trying to grow. Notice with me, if you don't mind. What is it that chokes out the word in a Christian's life? What is it that chokes out someone's willingness to obey? Here, the Bible lists three things. Notice, first of all, in verse 19. The cares of this world. What keeps a Christian from obeying the Bible? One just could be the cares of the world. I've got to take care of this. And I've got to take care of this. Oh, and what's going to happen if this? And they're so anxious and worried 
and concern about these other things. I just don't know if I could make it to church. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it here. I don't know if I have enough gas. I don't know. And they have all these cares. And we're not belittling them because some of them may be legitimate, but some of them may be just good excuses not to obey. The cares of the world keep people from being prepared to obey. What else? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Well, I got to work some extra hours. I'm sorry. I've got to go take care of this. I've got to go make the money. And I understand when you have to work a job, but when you take extra hours and extra things and extra things going on, well, that keeps you from obeying the Lord. Obeying what God has given you to do. When you're more worried about the money. I'll serve God when this is paid off. And I'll serve God when the house is taken care of. And I'll serve God. And all those things keep you from serving God. There's always going to be something that needs to be paid. Always something that's going to need to be taken care of. But our priority should be prepared to obey God's word. And then what you have here for the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. And then just to cover everything else, the lust of other things. It's amazing when other things come in. So are you going to make it to uh, church on Wednesday? I can't. My kids got a baseball game and we've determined that baseball is our idol. I mean, um, that baseball is more important than showing up to church. How about Sunday school? Can you make it to Sunday school? Well, preacher, you have to understand that this is the only day that we can sleep in. And so what has happened is that other things have intervened of why you cannot obey. This is going to be thorny ground. And eventually what it's going to do, it's going to choke out the life of of a Christian. And he's still a Christian, but he's going to die. He's going to die. In fact, notice verse 15 again. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it, the plant, becometh unfruitful. There are many, many, many Christians in this world who are legitimately saved, meaning they come to the place where they realize that they're a sinner. And because of their sin that they've offended a holy, righteous God, that Jesus Christ died for them. And there was a time and a place where they personally asked Jesus as their Savior. They're going to heaven, but they're unfruitful. Why are they unfruitful? Notice again. Because of the cares of this world. I've got to take care of this. And I've got to do this. And I've got to do this. It will kill a Christian. A Christian is supposed to obey. He's supposed to grow. He's supposed to bring forth fruit. But the cares of the world is choking him out. So he is unfruitful. The It says, the deceitfulness of riches. I can't make it to church because of this. I can't make it to church because I'm sailing my boat. On Sunday. I'm going camping. I'm doing this. It's that deceitfulness of riches. Not just getting riches. But spending riches. Enjoying the riches. I can't make it to church today. Because of my hobby. My activity. 
my fun time, my mean time. And then just to cover everything else, it says the lust of other things. And so here's a Christian. He's legitimately saved. He's grown just a bit. He's not going to quit being a Christian. He hasn't decided to to walk away, but he's just going to be unfruitful. This is a type of Christian who could be in church on Sundays and never grow, never move forward, never advance forward, never be fruitful. And he's missing out. He says, but I'm a Christian. Isn't that good enough that I'm saved? No. Praise the Lord that you're saved. That does you a lot of good, but it doesn't do God a lot of good just for you to be saved and nothing. Notice there's another soil here. Verse number 20. It says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. That idea of receiving carries with it the idea of obeying it. They receive it to the purpose of obeying it and bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some a hundred. Do you know what <clears throat> what plants are gr- are put in the ground to do? To produce fruit. To produce fruit. Now, if you plant a kernel of corn, I think everyone understands this. If I plant a kernel of corn, am I just going to get a kernel of corn back? No. We're going to get a whole corn of the cob. We're going to get a stalk of corn with several ears of corn. This is called the miracle of multiplication. The miracle of multiplication. That from that one seed, I get multiplied more fruit than what I started off with. And this is what God wants. This is an important thing. In fact, let me teach you some things about biology. You have also the law of biogenesis. The law of biogenesis says organisms reproduce themselves. Organisms reproduce themselves. So when we're talking about fruit, we need to be specific, right? We don't need to leave anything ambiguous. And some people stop and don't define it. So some people say, well, I'm fruitful. I gave money to the church. That doesn't mean you're fruitful. Well, let me tell you, I serve the church. Praise the Lord, that doesn't necessarily mean you're fruitful. We're talking about the law of biogenesis, a law that God repeats all the way from Genesis. Everything reproduces after its own kind. A cat is going to produce a cat. A dog is going to reproduce a dog. A tomato plant is going to reproduce a tomato plant. Everything reproduces after its own kind. And so we can only reproduce what we are. The word of God is going to reproduce the word of God. So the word of God is going to spread. Now some people say, well, the fruit of a Christian is the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. Only the Holy Spirit can produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What is the only thing that a Christian can reproduce? Another Christian. What are we talking about? Soul winning. People getting saved. That's the fruit of a Christian. Another Christian reproduces a Christian. Now we know that God does the saving and he does the making. It is our job to be obedient 
and let God work. By the way, when the fruit comes, does it become because of the plant saying, come on, grow, grow? No, the plant's supposed to be there and be obedient, and it is God that gives the increase. It is God that does the reproduction. That plant has to just be there available to grow. Which brings me to a, another law that we have in science and biology that says every healthy organism reproduces itself. Every healthy organism reproduces itself. That's how God designed the things. If there was a species that could not reproduce itself, it would die off. If, a, if there is a, a couple, a husband and a wife, and they cannot have children, that's because there's something wrong. And that we have scientists and doctors who could work with that to try to identify what's wrong. But every healthy organism reproduces itself. So therefore, if a Christian can only produce another Christian by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is God that gives the increase. We understand that also that every Christian reproduces a Christian and you could only reproduce yourself and every healthy organism reproduces itself. Let me ask you a question. How is your fruit? If you are not reproducing yourself, then you need to ask the question, what is wrong? And what you need to start off with, if you have a plant, for those who love to grow plants and love to grow flowers and do the bonsai trees or maybe to grow the beautiful lilies or the orchids, you grow those plants, you know that when you're growing those plants, you have to start with the soil. And so if there's something wrong with the plant and it's not reproducing itself, let's say that you have an orchid plant and the stem has grown, but no bloom ever appears. There's something wrong with that plant. Where do you start to look? With the soil. And so if you are not reproducing yourself and you're not seeing people come to know the Lord, Remember, it's God that does it, but we have to be prepared. We should be seeing fruit. God built us to make fruit. God desires us to have fruit. Again, verse 20, And these are they that are sown on good ground, as such that hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some hundred. If you are not producing fruit, God says they're going to produce fruit. They will produce fruit. Every healthy organism reproduces itself. If you are not reproducing fruit, the first place you need to check is the soil. What is the soil? It is that preparedness to obey God. Maybe as you look by yourself and you say, I'm not reproducing fruit, or maybe I'm not reproducing healthy fruit, I'm not reproducing what I should be reducing, then you start with the soils. How is your heart in preparation to obey? There may be someone who's honest enough to say, you know what, I really haven't had an interest to obey God. Hasn't been a big deal. Sure, I have no problems going to church, but it does nothing for me. I don't get much out of it. I show up. It's not the preacher's fault. It's your fault. If the word is going forth, are you prepared to obey? Is it something that you want to do? Are you wanting to obey God's word? Or do you draw lines and say, I'll obey God here, but I'm not going to obey God there. Then let me tell you, you got some stones in the soil. You've got some things in the soil that's 
keeping the fruit from growing. Maybe you say, I don't mind going to church but, and serving God, but I've got this and this is in the way and this is in here. Then you got the thorns and it's going to choke the life out of you and you're going to become unfruitful. So what we're doing is fruit inspection. How is your fruit? Every healthy organism reproduces itself. If you are not reproducing yourself, if you're not seeing people come to know Christ as as their Savior, if you're not seeing people drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ because of your witnessing, because of you telling them about it, then you need to start with the soil. Is there something in your life that you're not willing to obey? Pastor, I don't mind going to church, but I'm not going to do that soul winning thing. Pastor, I don't mind listening to the services, but I have no intention of giving. Pastor, their Bible stuff's good, but I don't need to do anything else with it. I just want to hear the word. That's it. How is the soil of your heart? Now, you have to determine. You have to ask God to show you and be honest with you. But do you have a desire to be fruitful? Do you have a desire to see people come to know Christ as their Savior? Do you have a desire to reproduce yourself? Well, if you do, you have to keep that soil prepared to obey the Word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.